0: We're in the Gospel of Romans, Epistle to the Romans, written by Paul. This is our fourth study, and this morning we're in chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 13 and 17. And i titled our study this morning, The Gospel of Christ. In our last look at this first chapter of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, we consider the mutual faith. The faith that we all have. We are of one faith. Faith in Christ. It's a gift from Christ to you and I. It's the faith He uses to guide us through our way through life. It's a mutual faith. All of God's elect are given, the, the mutual faith that all of the God's elect are given by the Lord Jesus. Faith or belief in the true and living God does not come through wisdom of men. True faith can only come by God the Father through the Holy Spirit revealing His Son to a new heart, one who was once dead and has been born again. That's what we read often over in Matthew sixteen seventeen, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. We also considered our peace and comfort, the peace and the comfort that we have in this faith that is bestowed upon us. Today we look at another angle of the diamond. The gospel of Christ, and there's only one gospel, and that is Christ. He is the gospel. He is the good news. And we'll see more of that in this morning's message, But for now, we're going to look at that diamond. And that's what the gospel of Christ is. It's a diamond. We can take that diamond and look through at different angles, at different sides, but we're still going to see the same glorious shining light that we saw looking from this side. It's still Christ, that shining light. We're going to look at another angle of the diamond for the reason that we have peace and for the reason that we have comfort. Look with me, if you would, at Romans chapter 1 begin reading at verse thirteen, shall we? Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you, also even among even as among other Gentiles. Paul had a great desire to see the folks at Rome. But by God the Holy Spirit and also by the devil he was deterred from that. And we'll look at that in a few more minutes here. Verse 14, I am the debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so as much as in me, as I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just Shall live by faith. Now, Henry Mahan brings out something I want to share with you. Paul's desire to visit them was not a sudden impulse, but a desire that he had entertained for quite some time. He was hindered either by God, who had worked, who had worked for him in other places, and you can read about that in Acts chapter sixteen, verses six through nine, if you like, or by Satan, who sometimes, by divine permission has such power, and you can read that in 1 Thessalonians 2.18 if you'd like, or by his duties in other places. But Paul desired to have some fruit among them, and we understand fruit to be the converse, the conversion of sinners, the edification of believers, and the fruitlessness, the fruitfulness of believers is grace and works. And I want to turn over for uh, just a moment to Matthew chapter 7, and look at that if you would with me. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7 and let's look at what this fruitfulness of the believers in grace and works is verses 15 and 16 Matthew chapter 7 beginning at verse 15 beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves ye shall know them by their fruits we're talking about the fruitfulness of God's people seeing it in their belief in their faith not in their works, not in what they do we're all human folks and we all make mistakes and, and have reason for forgiveness. When you stop making mistakes, when you stop having reasons for forgiveness, God will have you in heaven. That's all there is to it. As long as we walk this earth, we're going to need forgiveness. Beware of beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous words. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Now, one more, if you would, turn over to John chapter 5. Let's just confirm what our brother Henry Mahan wrote here. John chapter 5. We see it there, the fruitfulness of God's people and the fruitful and the unfruitfulness of false preachers. Paul goes on in verse six in, in verses 14 and 16 of our text, back in Romans 14 and 16, to declare his willingness to bring the gospel of Christ to this church in Rome. He had been told so much of their their faith in Christ. He was anxious to come and be with them if he could. In verses 16 and 17, we find our text for today. I'd like to read those verses again if you would. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, our title for this morning, our subject this morning, is the Gospel of Christ. that we read right about there in chapter 16. For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. Oh, how I love to hear and to preach this Gospel of Jesus Christ in Him crucified. It's the good news. It's, there's, it's the good news that there is mercy and grace in the One who was sent the one who was ordained from the foundation of the world that he would come to save sinners. He shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The apostle declares that he is not ashamed of the gospel of God's grace. He's not ashamed to preach that grace is unmerited favor. He's not ashamed to preach that you can't do anything to earn God's grace, that it is a gift from him, from beginning to end, all of salvation is of the Lord. Not part, but all. He's not ashamed to tell people that you can't save yourselves, that there's nothing you can do. He's not ashamed to tell you that your works destroy God's grace. He's not ashamed of the gospel of God's grace. He's not ashamed of mercy to the guilty through Christ. I don't deserve Here's what I deserve. I deserve damnation. I am but a worm. That's what I deserve. Paul was not ashamed to say that. Oh, wretched man that I am, is what he said, isn't it? Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul was not ashamed to tell you he's nothing. God's preachers are not ashamed to say, I am nothing. I'm no more than anyone else is that walks this earth. I'm a sinner just as everyone else is. I love what you said this morning. John, are you going to preach to me? I'm a sinner. I need grace is what Paulie said. We're not ashamed, are we? We're not ashamed to admit that we deserve the wrath of God. Paul was not ashamed of the mercy to the guilty through Christ. He was not ashamed of salvation by substitution. We're not ashamed to hear how our Lord laid down His life where we should be. How He, he who knew no sin took our sins as His own. He was made sin, willingly made sin. Did you know that? Christ, He allowed those men to take Him and hang Him on that cross. He laid down His life and He had the power to take it up again. He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Can you imagine God the Son being forsaken by God the Father? That substitution Paul was not ashamed to tell people, "This is the one who took my shame. This is the one who took my guilt. This is the one who took my iniquity." That seems to be nonsense to some. Oh, there's got to be something I must do. You can't tell me that there's not going to be a change in my life. That I'm 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 not I'm going to quit being a sinner. You can't tell me that if I'm saved, I I gotta quit sinning. I gotta be—I gotta be righteous. I just can't be a sinner anymore, folks. Until the Lord takes us through that door, marked death, we are sinners. That's all this flesh can do—is sin. It's just like leprosy. It's a disease that covers your whole body, everything. It's in the blood system. It works its way through every part of your body. Some think it's nonsense. It's a stumbling block to them. But Paul and a few more were not ashamed. To believe it or to preach it. Turn over 1 Corinthians chapter one. For the preaching of the cross, for the preaching of mercy to the guilty, for pre- to the preaching of salvation by substitution, for the preaching of the gospel of God's grace is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us, oh, remember the remember our lessons. Our lessons on unto us, unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. Unto us. But unto us which are saved. It is the power of God. You know why it's the power of God? Because it puts Him in His sovereign throne over all things. Does it not? I just mentioned a moment ago, we're going to look at that diamond, aren't we? We're going to see a different angle of that peace and that comfort that you and I as God's children have knowing that he is sovereign over everything preaching of the cross is the power of god verse 19 for it was writ for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this world hath not god made foolish the wisdom of this world oh folks we we sure think we have a lot of wisdom don't we What God has allowed us to discover, I mean, don't get me wrong, breaking Roger's heart, uh, his chest open, opening up his heart, doing whatever needed to be done, closing it all back up again so that it still works, that's pretty smart stuff right there. But that's nothing compared to the wisdom of the Most High. Nothing. We can't even imagine the wonders that Christ knows, the wisdom of our Lord. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We're talking about the gospel of Christ. The only gospel. The gospel that we preach. And through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. I've heard of some in religion that say they cannot preach this in public. Oh, we can't preach. We can't preach sovereign grace. People don't want to hear that. They believe it in private, but they will not preach it in public. They're ashamed of it. They're afraid men. They're, they're afraid of men. They're afraid they'll get fired from their job. Did you know that Norm Wells was fired when he started preaching grace? Uh, when he first Henry, heard Henry Manahan, he he came home and he says, I hate that man. And then the Lord worked on Norm's heart and worked on it, and worked on it, and worked on it. And eventually Norm came to know the truth of God's Word, the truth of His grace, the truth of His mercy, the truth of His sovereignty, the truth of works by man is disaster. And when he went back to his congregation and tried to preach it, they fired him. So we don't want you. We don't want that gospel. We want a gospel that we can do something with. Some cover their offense of the cross with words of wisdom, of their wisdom and human philosophy, seeking to please men and others, just openly add their works to His grace. Oh yeah, God saved you by grace, but you have to receive it. Would you come down here to the front and receive His grace now, will you? Will you come down here and receive it now? I've heard that. Now I want to consider four quick points that the Gospel of Christ and the preaching of that Gospel God uses. He uses the Gospel of Christ to quicken, that means give life to dead sinners. Look with me if you would over at James. Chapter 1. Look with me if you would at verse 18. Our God uses His gospel, the gospel that we preach, to quicken dead sinners. Of His own will begat He us. That means give life, born again. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth. That's preaching the gospel right there. That we should be a kind of First fruits of his creatures. Let's look at one more, if you would. Go to the right again to First Peter. Next book over. First Peter. Look at chapter one, verse twenty-three. Being born again. That's that. That's what quickening is. Quickening is being born again, given new life, not from, not of corruptible seed. That's the, that's the seed of the world. That's the religions of the world. But of incorruptible. And then what? By what? By, by the word. How do you get the word from the preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? By the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. One more if you would turn over to Mark 16 Our Lord uses the gospel word, the preaching of His word to quicken dead sinners In Mark chapter 16 we read in verse 15 And He said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the word of truth This is the gospel Go it and preach it to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He uses his gospel, the gospel of Christ, to quicken his people. But he that believeth not shall be damned. So our Lord, we see there in three different instances, our Lord uses his gospel preached, the gospel of Christ to quicken dead sinners. He also uses that gospel to open blind eyes. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He opens blind eyes. He gives sight Through the preaching of his gospel. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid. It is hid to them that are lost. You remember when the gospel was hid to you? You remember before the Lord came. And gave you sight to see the truths of his word. But if our gospel be hid. It is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. Which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious Gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded... this, uh, Folks, our Lord uses His gospel, we just saw that, to preach His gospel, to open blind eyes. For the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's God's word. He uses this gospel preach. He uses a gospel preacher to stand before people just like he did that day when I was sitting there in that pew right there. He used a gospel preacher to preach his word and God opened my eyes, gave me sight. Thirdly, he he uses this gospel to reveal his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn back to 1 Corinthians again, just to the left there a couple of pages. Chapter 15, just about three pages to the left. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Our Lord uses his gospel preached to reveal his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Moreover, brethren... 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 Moreover brethren I declare unto you the gospel which I preached there is only one gospel there's only one there's only one place you will find good news and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ according to the word of God according to the gospel which I preached unto you which ye also have which also ye have received and wherein you stand by which also ye are saved if you keep in the memory of that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. One more, if you would. Go back to our text and turn to Romans chapter 10. Look at verses 13 through 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? how shall they believe in him from whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher our Lord uses the gospel of his son the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified to reveal his son and then lastly he uses his gospel to declare salvation through his son turn over to chapter 3 of the same book Romans chapter 3 and look with me at verse 24 Romans chapter 3 beginning at verse 24 we read these words being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a payment through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. To the Jew first... And also to the Greek. The word Greek means all Gentiles. These two classes comprehend comprehend all mankind. The Jews were chosen to receive the law, the prophets, the types, and the tabernacle. Thus we can say that the gospel in type and promises were first preached to them. That's what we were reading about a moment ago, back in our text. For I thank God through Jesus Christ... For all of you and your faith spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness in whom I serve my spirit in the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Go to Romans chapter 3. Back, Back in Romans chapter 3 again. And we'll bring this to a close. What advantage then hath the Jew? It says. Or what profit is there of circumcision? Paul then goes on to declare this much in every way. Chiefly because that unto them were the committed oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their belief make the faith of God without effect? Nay. Let's go ahead and bring this to a close for now.